The Athletic. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of An Athletic Podcast. We're joined today by the Valencia president, Anil Murphy. I am Adam Crafton, a reporter at The Athletic, and we are here predominantly to discuss the incident that took place during a game between Cadiz and Valencia in La Liga on Sunday evening. During the game, around half an hour into the match, Cadiz defender Juan Cala was accused by the Valencia defender Mukhtar Diakabi of racial abuse. It subsequently led to Valencia's players leaving the pitch for over 20 minutes and what has followed is an extraordinary to and fro between the two players and the two clubs in the subsequent days. During a press conference on Tuesday, on Tuesday afternoon, Juan Cala said, I am in a state of shock. I am being accused of something I know nothing of. There was a clash between us and I told him, leave me in peace. I don't know what Diacarbi thought he heard, if he misheard or has invented something. I just told him to leave me in peace. Cala repeatedly claimed he was the victim of a public lynching. Nobody deserves this public lynching that I have been suffering these days, Kala added. This has all become a circus and I will take legal action against all the people who have tried to play with my honour. My lawyers are compiling the information. In response to that, well, Valencia have reiterated that they believe their player, Mukhtar Diakabi. They've started a trend on Twitter, which is, I believe Mukhtar Diakabi as the hashtag. And they said in a statement, Valencia Football Club are deeply saddened by statements made by Cadiz player Juan Cala this Tuesday. Cala has missed a great opportunity to accept his mistake and apologise to the player affected. Instead of doing this, he attacked both Diacarbi and other members of Valencia Football Club. Valencia wished to reiterate, we believe our player and back him completely. Valencia's president, Murphy, spoke to The Athletic on Tuesday morning, shortly before Juan Cala conducted a press conference for the Spanish media. Murphy outlined why Valencia are requesting new anti-racism protocols from La Liga, why he has been surprised by a lack of support from rival Spanish sides, and why the club intends to fight this issue to the bitter end in what they consider to be a fight for justice on behalf of their player. During our conversation, Murphy speaks as you would expect as the club's president in support of Diacarbi's claims. We must repeat, these are strongly denied by Juan Cala, and we wait to see how the dispute pans out in the coming weeks and months. Myself and Murphy sat down on Tuesday morning over Zoom to discuss the polemic that has gripped Spanish football, and this is what he had to say. So, obviously, on Sunday evening, hugely distressing evening for Valencia. Um, first of all, how is Mukhtar Diakabi? in the days after the event. Well, I, I met him, was it yesterday? Yeah, and he's still uh, very affected. I had him by my side while I while I spoke about the incident and what the club intends to do. Uh, I'd asked him before whether he would like to say something and he said he is still not prepared uh, uh, to speak because he's still deeply affected by the and shocked by what happened uh, at the game. And uh, basically... Well, he's 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 a type of a sh- he's a bit shy, mm. and uh, but when you speak to him alone, uh, you can tell that uh, what's shocking as well is not just what happened; it's how the system reacted mm. to what 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 took place. So, on the field of play, um, Diakabi alleged that he was racially abused by the Cadiz player Juan Cala. Um, 
as far as we can tell from the images, he, he was very clearly distressed immediately and he told the referee what he had heard. As far as you understand it, both the referee and the assistant referees did not hear anything on the, on the pitch, did they? What the referee uh, told us uh, after the incident, uh, before they came back to play, was that he did not hear anything. He must have consulted with his assistants who probably told him as well that they didn't hear anything. In that short moment, while well, the players were back in the dressing rooms, in the tunnel, etc., uh, I'm not sure what transpired, what the referee tried to do, whether they consulted any videos or audios, we don't know. Uh, but uh, as far as the referee is concerned, he did not hear anything. But at the end of the day, it's not the referee's fault because he has to follow the rules and protocols that have been established by the institutions. Yeah. Uh, what I've been urging, and after having spoken to uh, Javier Tebas of the Liga as well, and in my video yesterday with, uh, with Jacobi, uh, is to say that, look, uh, we need to take this matter seriously. If we don't change the, the, the rules of the game, we don't change the protocols on how we deal with the situation, then we're basically expecting this to go on. Mm. Well, I think what's quite interesting is the current protocol allows for the referee to abandon the game if racist abuse is heard by the officials. However, if the accusation is not heard by the officials at the time, the onus is then on the team whose player has allegedly been racially abused to, to walk off the pitch or to abandon the game. Now, if they do that, and I think this is what the referee explained to the players on, on Sunday evening, they run the risk of the game being abandoned, losing the game, I think it's 6-0, and then also losing points and possibly being fined. Now, some would argue that even with all that that would have happened, Valencia's players could still have abandoned the game and challenged La Liga and said, go on then, ban us, go on, do it, you know, do your worst because we're standing up for, for our teammate, for what we believe in. How close did it come to, to, to that happening? And do you think that would happen if, if it was to happen again? So coming back to your point on the, what the rules are today, mm -hmm. What strikes me is, uh, what shocks me is that it is up to the, the team to provide evidence, right? Because, I, you know, the last I heard, we were not there with our camera crew filming or, or recording, you know? So uh, the only way we can get this information is if the institutions who are responsible for this give it to us. Uh, and in those 20 minutes, I don't see how this can happen. Uh, so that's flawed from the beginning. Uh, the whole protocol, the whole system is flawed from the beginning. But the mindset is what is most distressing and everyone stands back. So I think that the, the, all the way from the protocol and the rules to the mindset mm -hmm. is basically allowing these things to happen. Now, what happened in the dressing room? Uh, they were aware, Jacobi was, was, was made aware of the possible uh, penalties to the club. Uh, and to his team, if we abandon the game. He then took it upon himself uh, to tell his teammates, look, uh, obviously he was quite shaken up. He said, please go and fight for me. Go and win the game. Uh, but go out and play. I can't play. I'm just totally out of it. I need to, I need to leave the field. 
but please go out and play. This whole episode shows how the victim is not protected because the mindset, the mindset is such first that you need to prove. High-level commentators immediately come up with, a, with, a, with, with stupid remarks that say that uh, maybe it's a misinterpretation because obviously they've seen this happening in every game. Mm-hmm. And, and another commentator who's, who's out in the papers quite often saying that this is where players provoke the other one. So <laughs> everything is wrong in this story. And I, I think what you, say, what you say is interesting in terms of the burden of proof is straight away put upon the person who is accusing and doubt is cast on, on their words. I think probably in English football, we've come a little bit further in that journey in that, for example, we could point to, uh, for example, the case between Patrice Evra and Luis Suarez almost 10 years ago now, um, or John Terry and Anton Ferdinand, where the Football Association took action against um, the person who was accused um, after taking in different accounts. You've spoken to La Liga and Javier Tebas over the past 48 hours. Do you get the impression from those discussions that this case will ultimately come down to the images or video footage that's provided? Or will the word of a black player, when set against the counter case laid out by the defendant, by the accused, Juan Cala ultimately be taken seriously. Well, I would I would come back to the first basic fundamental. If you need proof, I mean, just watch TV. You know, of course, we can't base rules on how what someone's face looks like, but it's sufficient, sufficient to say, look, this merits a proper investigation. Mm-hmm. Let us not rush to complete this game. Let us take this matter seriously based on common sense, based on the images, based on the reaction of the players. This deserves a a proper investigation. Mm -hmm. Now, at the end of the investigation, you know, you don't have sufficient evidence to prove one thing or the other. And say, look, we have have done our due diligence because we took this matter seriously. Now we're going to play again. But it shouldn't be the other way around. You show me it's happened. If not... Look, you don't get out. You know the consequences. Yeah. You know, it's, it's two worlds apart. Are we far from England? Yes, we are very far from England in terms of dealing with this. When what Valencia uh, hopes to achieve is to see some serious, serious change in rules and protocols, but most importantly in the mindset that, yeah. look, and, and attitude to this issue. Do you, I, I think what's, what's also curious is if we... For, as, you, as you're saying, it was Diakabi's decision for the players to go back out and to, to fight for him. Not his if, decision, it was his, it was his request. It was his request. Request to our players because we, we, I mean, even the coach and the players told him and told each other, look, the coach told the players, you guys don't go out, don't go out, we support you. Hmm. Whatever, the, whatever the fine may be, Whatever the points we lose, we, we decide we don't go out and then we deal with it later. And to be clear, would that have been your position as well as president? Because, you know, if you were to lose six points and take a fine as well, are you supportive of that position? If well, that's I what they want to do. I, I, I think we decide not to go out, then we fight the battle hmm. uh, with the risk of losing six points and paying a fine. But uh, I would hope and uh, that... Uh, uh, fighting this battle will result in 
in less of a fine. I'm mm. sure we would be penalized for something in this because the burden of proof is on us. Mm. But I, we would have fought it up all the way. Mm. What was, what, were, you, were you personally at the game in, in Cadiz? I was not at the game you for know. personal reasons. I was here. I was on the phone yeah. with the... I was, on the, I was on the phone with those, those responsible there on the ground. But I can tell you it's the first time this has happened. And uh, we have taken away a lot of... I just finished a meeting with, the, with my team to see how we can better coordinate uh, our response in the future. But uh, all this happened as a bit of a shock. Uh, I think... I, overall, I think they managed it very well, mm. except not winning the game. <laughs> uh, uh, but we can do much better in future in terms of how we how we communicate what we did and how we manage this uh, to, to the outside. Um, Cadiz as a club have generally a very good reputation when it comes to battling discrimination and racism. And they came out and said they were opposed to all forms of racism. But they also then said in a statement, the club cannot enter into assessments of the issues of the game between the players and we always demand an attitude of respect and responsibility towards the opponents. Is that enough? Well, you know, my view on statements are very clear. Uh, statements are self-serving to help you sleep at night. You know, I've said it and, uh, you know, now I feel good. I mean, countries do the same. Uh, clubs do the same. I, I, for me, statements are not enough. I want to see, uh, I want to see, I'm surprised that uh, no Spanish clubs came out to support uh, Valencia statement. Uh, many other clubs from outside have. Uh, but basically, if we don't tackle this from the root, if the clubs don't get together and actually start changing the norms and the rules of, 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 the, of how we deal with these kind of issues, then I say, well, if it helps you sleep at night, releasing statements, go ahead. But it's not enough for me. Obviously, Juan Cala denies the He's the coming out the thing about... I think he's coming out uh, in a few... Well, in 20 minutes, apparently, to... To talk. To, to talk. I'm not sure what he's going to say. Are you aware that there's been any communication between him to Diakabi since no, there's been Sunday no evening? There's Nothing. been no communication between them. Yeah. And you said you were surprised by other Spanish clubs not stepping up and saying, this is not okay. Are you really surprised? Honestly? Mm. No. Because that's the state of affairs here. And that's, what's, that's what makes it even more urgent for... Uh, institutions and clubs to to mm. let, let's get real, you know, you know. Let's start. Let's take this a bit more seriously than than issuing issuing statements. I think what what's also a powerful thing is that we you know we often see in England, for example, supporters might be racist on social media. Supporters might be racist in the stands. Less so, but it happens. And clubs are very quick when it's supporters to come out with a statement or ban or ban the supporters. When it's a player, when it's someone who they are financially invested in, who is an asset, who might win them points, um, which therefore means money, clubs are often far less quick um, to act. And, and, and it's, you know, it's not impossible. We hope it doesn't happen, but it's not impossible that it might be the reverse situation in the future. And it's a Valencia player who has been, accused yes. would you are you happy to make a commit you know i suppose would you make the commitment that your response would be as strong as it is now when it's one of your own players because i think that's where we sometimes see a double standard in football yeah. i think the 
the, the word standards is important here because mm. for there not to be double standards, there have to be standards and high standards have to apply. And for high standards to apply, clubs must all agree. There must be, rule, there must be rules and protocols to protect the vulnerable. Because if one club decides uh, not to do something, another club is going to say, look, uh, why should we take the lead on this? You know, I mean, I'm not here to solve the world's problems. Uh, it has to be a problem that all of us have to get together and solve. So I think rather than double standards, I would, I would pick on the word standards and we have to come up with high standards that all have to meet. And the only way to meet high standards is to have high standard rules. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we have been extremely harsh with uh, uh, all types of violence, uh, including racist abuse, etc., from the fan side, yeah. because we must expect very high standards of our fans. There was no need to do so, because very few clubs have taken this kind of approach uh, that we have taken, and we had to face a lot of backlash from those who those who belong to this group of fans who are in the stadium. But we have we have taken a very hard stance, especially the violent ones. We have kicked them out of the stadium. Uh, when an incident happened in, in the Arsenal game from one of our fans, I reacted very strongly on Twitter myself. Uh, not very polite language. But uh, uh, we have been very hard and set ourselves high standards mm-hmm. on these things. But your question about the economic impact of, of these things, I think is a, it's, a, it's a good question. It's a real question. And standards, in this case, high standards must apply to all so that there's fair game. You say you want a protocol to be designed by the clubs, by La Liga. If this was to happen again, what's the ideal situation that plays out? Is it that the referee, once he, hit, once he is told by a player, I've been racially abused, that he just abandons the game? And then you do an investigation and you replay the game another time. Is that what I think some common sense must apply. Because if you, he was living the, the game, right? Mm. Once again, I repeat, it's not the referee's fault. Mm. But you're living the game. Uh, you can see what's happened. You're basically, you can, you can already judge for yourself whether there's some truth in this. If the judge in this case was the mm. referee, feels there's some truth in this, of course, then his obligation and responsibility say, I'm going to suspend this until a proper investigation is carried out. And then it's for the committee, whatever committee there may be, to assess this information and say, look, there's insufficient grounds to suspect, to stop this game or there's sufficient grounds to deal with the player who's, who's, uh, who's carried out this abuse. Hmm. But uh, I would say that the only way to take this seriously is to act in that manner. Hmm. And then come back to the game if you have to. But uh, that may take three days, yeah. but uh, not 20 minutes. Are you, are you confident, having spoken to Javier Tebas, that this will happen? Did you get confidence from those discussions? I think it's still early because, the, you know, it's the first time that's happened here in, mm. in Spain. And uh, I think everyone is digesting the situation. And I hope that, uh, well, we're not going to give up, but... Uh, we're he's, he's, he, said, he said it was clear something had happened. Something, but, yeah, he said it's clear something had happened. But once again, uh, I mean, he's the president of the Liga, mm-hmm. but he too has rules and regulations to follow, mm-hmm. right? And uh, uh, if there's no solid evidence that has been uh, recorded, 
who is in the position to say that, uh, look, Kala needs to be banned from football or Cadiz needs to be ducked points. You can't do that. Mm. Today, we don't have uh, real solid because at the end of the day, there must be some rule of law. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the reaction cannot be, guys go and play first. Let's think about what we can do after the game. Right? Because this doesn't happen every day. It happens is it's the first time. And see, it may happen again to another club. Uh, I don't know when, but it's not you're not opening the because some people may uh, may feel if we change the protocols to allow a game to be suspended till investigations are done, we're opening the floodgates for all games to be continuously suspended. Or what if a team is losing and they they, they want the game to be replayed? They're going to fake something, and uh, mm-hmm. that is that to me is a attitude that promotes racism and you can quote me on that it's a so, mindset that promotes racism you're so you're saying that it's a, it's, a, it's a mindset that promotes racism because it's like a slippery slope argument they're saying you know if this is what you introduce then everyone will do it everyone will do it because yeah. all black people are cheats you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you're basically saying if i do this to protect the black players Oh, they'll all cheat and then all games will be suspended. How did you feel as Valencia president in the, you know, the second half of that game when your player, who said he had been racially abused, was sat by himself on the sidelines as the show went on? That to me seemed like the, the, you know, the saddest part of the game that yes. this, this person who hadn't been protected by his sport, by his place of work was having to sit by, you know, sit by himself as everyone else carried on playing. Yeah. I think, I think everything happened so fast. Mm. As I said, this is the first time this happening. Uh, everyone has to take away many, many, many lessons from what happened. And I hope that uh, the many lessons we take will change Spanish football. It's everything was sad that day. How the system reacted. He was sitting alone, having to abandon his teammates in a very important game because the game was going on really well for us. Yeah. Uh, we were strong. We made, a, we made one mistake. We took a goal. We came back very fast and we were hitting them very hard. And then this happened. And uh, it's, just, it's just a sad day for football mm. because uh, how the entire thing panned out and how the system reacted is... is uh, what I told, uh, what I said the other day, two, 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 two steps backward in the fight against racism. And you said you have, you have kids, right? Yes. And what, I mean, did you have to explain to them, you know, this of is what's course, going, course, but, how, uh, how did you explain that to them? Well, the, not the small one, but the 14 year old, I told him, look, uh, you can't be black and white in this thing because mm-hmm. there's a lot of gray area in between. But the clear message the system has sent is how to protect. I don't use the word minorities. I say how to protect the more vulnerable. Because he goes to school, he's brown, like me. And uh, he has suffered uh, racial abuse as well in school. I suffer every day on social media uh, from racial abuse. I said, how do you react to this thing? (laughs) You know, how do I explain to a kid? Why racial abuse is taken so lightly? I'm not doing this because uh, I take this very personally. 
I do take it personally, uh, but at the same time, I think that uh, if we all collectively don't address this issue, when we have the opportunity to do so today because it was exposed, mm. then we've all missed an opportunity to make some serious change in Spanish football because it has been exposed. Um, if you have a little bit of time just for a couple of questions looking forward to the summer. Yes, yeah. always looking forward to working <laughs> In, in England at the moment, it feels like we're starting to come out of the pandemic. Things are starting to open up a little bit. Um, and that's good news for the economy, which also means good news maybe for the transfer window in, in football. Um, in Valencia, I know the strain on the finances has been really significant with, with the pandemic, as it has across Spanish football. Yes. How, much, how much flexibility do you think you will have in the summer to, to invest, if if at all, and can you paint a picture of the impact the pandemic has had on on Spanish football's finances? Well, for our finances, uh, last uh, summer we were hit by 100 million, so we lost 50% of our income, which is tremendous, uh, because your wage bill doesn't disappear unless you sell players, you loan them out. Uh, but your wage bill doesn't disappear. But uh, 100 million hit, uh, which is 50% of revenue, is a, is a tremendous hit. We we decided in summer to bite the bullet and say that, look, uh, let's get through the year. Let's try and reduce spending. We'll have to further reduce spending again uh, next season, but uh, with uh, much more flexibility than we had in summer because we took a big hit. We, we took a big decision in summer. We have to take a smaller decision now in, in the next summer. Now, what's the market going to be like? I'm not as optimistic as you in terms of uh, how uh, markets are going to recover. Uh, I think uh, clubs have been hit very badly by COVID, whether in Spain or even in England, mm. uh, in Italy, in France. Uh, TV rights are being renegotiated in many places. Uh, many Spanish clubs uh, depend uh, very, very significantly on TV income for the operations. So I don't think this summer is going to be uh, any better than last summer. In fact, I would predict that this summer is going to be even more difficult. Those who had money have already spent it. And right. uh, no, no, no new money has come in. Uh, we so have so, to... we, so we, can, we can rule you out of Erling Haaland. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless the value they're putting for him is in pesetas. <laughs> but, uh, but I think that uh, in any market, there are opportunities because, you know, you sell cheap, you buy cheap. You know, you loan out for this much, you can loan in cheap as well. So I don't think, uh, I don't think we should attack the market saying that uh, I must recover my investment on all players. Mm. Uh, I think you look at, you, you look, at uh, look, you've got to take a loss on certain players, you, you buy cheap as well. Mm. But... Uh, when definitely, you, you can't. Definitely, we cannot be out of the market. We have to be insane this time. Yeah. Were you pleased with? I mean, the the figure that you you seem to get for Rodrigo was really good um, uh, compared to what the the market was doing last summer. Um, I believe that you went for lunch with Andrea Adrizani to negotiate yes. that that yes. deal. Yes. We have a we have a lot of uh, lead supporters who subscribe to the Athletic. Are you okay. are you able to give a little bit of insight into? how that deal came together? Because it seemed to happen as a bit of a surprise to people in England. Why is it a surprise? Well, I think it was a surprise in this, 
when it when it happened because I don't think everyone thought Leeds would be in for a player who is a Spanish international forward and clearly yeah. a very exciting player. No, I think they were they were they were looking to once they went into the uh, the first division they were looking mm-hmm. to build their team to compete at that level. So Rodrigo obviously was doing very well here and uh, including in the Spanish national team. Uh, well, nowadays you don't say a 30-year-old player is old. You know, nowadays you can look at Cristiano, he's going to play till he's 40 maybe. But then Rodrigo is in good shape. And uh, the, the price tag on him for us in this kind of market, very satisfactory. I think for England, to, it's, not, it's not very, very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how he's performing there now in Leeds. But uh, he was obviously a good player and they, they got him at a very fair price. Uh, of course, uh, I would have wanted more. <laughs> but uh, I'm very satisfied with, the, with, with, with that deal. And uh, they came here, they were very clearly wanted uh, Rodrigo. I think the coach, Bielsa, was very clear on this player as well. Uh, so it was a very quick, uh, quick lunch, quick negotiation. And uh, we sealed the deal. So they get the player, you pay for lunch? Yeah, of course, in, in Valencia. <laughs> I know Andrea for, you know, Andrea is a permanent resident of Singapore. He had a, I don't know whether he still has his restaurants there. I know Andrea from, from a long time. So you come yeah. to Valencia. But if I go to England, they pay the lunch. It's more expensive in England than Valencia. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just finally, I mean, this summer, you know, I think clubs, um, clubs that I'm speaking to or agents that we speak to, they think that the Premier League will still probably be the, strong, the most financially strong in terms of able to pay the higher fees and, and make the market move. Is that what you expect as well, that it might take the Premier League to inject cash into the market to, to get things going? I think rel- relatively speaking, uh, their power will have come down because they, the gap in TV between uh, and marketing that in England and uh, Spain or Italy or France or Germany was significantly higher. But that gap is slowly closing. Uh, Javier Tebas is doing a fantastic job in uh, in uh, protecting our TV rights here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while that gap is decreasing, I'd say, so yeah, I still think England still has more money. But uh, relatively speaking, that gap is, 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 is narrowing. So I think you'll see other players coming in as well. Now, not to the effects of spending 180 million on one player, but uh, general market, there'll be more opportunities, I think. Excellent. Uh, Anil, thank you very much um, for joining us and take care. See you soon. Take care. The Athletic.